You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is The Fountain of Youth, Episode 4, with Diana Burnett. Tonight I feel like I'm going to be the Lord's salesperson. I'm going to try to sell you even more than I have before on His program, on His health plan. So let's have a word of prayer before we get started. Our Father in heaven, we invite your presence here. We ask that you will bring this information to life, that you will touch our hearts and help us to understand the importance of taking care of this body that you have given us and how powerful it is, how resilient it is, but yet how fragile it is. So Lord, just open our minds and help us to learn from you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so cancer, when the cell breaks, all it takes is one cell to start what will eventually destroy your life. So it's rather critical that we know about how cancer works and how we can prevent it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, there's a definition that describes the mechanism of cancer. And I have it up here on the screen. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now you're going to understand this as I explain to you the mechanism of cancer. All of cancer has to do with bad communication. More than bad. I, want, I like what Paul says here. Evil communications. The manners that have to um, go on between one cell and their neighboring cell and the cells throughout your whole body, if they're not communicating to each other on the proper path in the proper way, you're going to come down with cancer. So let's go forward and, and learn about cancer. As I mentioned in a previous talk, the incidence of cancer today is staggering. One out of every two people are going to be diagnosed with cancer. And this does not include skin cancer. These are more of the major cancers that are taking a heavy toll on people around the world. So if you look to your right or you look to your left, between the two of you, one of you have a likelihood of being diagnosed with cancer. Well, tonight we're going to go through a brief overview. I'm going to try to make it not so complicated, but I want you to understand the mechanism of how cancer comes about and then what causes it and how you can prevent it. Okay, so hold, put your, make sure your racing shoes are on because we have a lot of material to go through. I want to tell you first some of the types of cancer. Cancer isn't just one disease, like diabetes. You know, there's type 1 and type 2. And in type 2 is really an umbrella of many different types of breaking down in the cell that eventually the cells go amok. So we have some common carcinoma. Carcinoma is more in the 
covering tissues of organs and in the internal parts of organs. So you have the lung cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, prostate cancer, bladder cancer. These are some of the most common cancers that are in the carcinoma family. And then on the lower right, you see some common sarcomas. Sarcomas are cancers that develop more in your um, connective tissues, like your bone, your fatty tissue, or your muscle. And then you have cancers that come up in your white blood cells. So those are called leukemias. So anything that derives from the bone marrow is in the leukemia family. And last, we have lymphomas. And lymphomas are cancers that develop in the lymph nodes. To make it simple, we're going to break down cancer into three different stages. Initiation, promotion, and progression. Now, I've got a picture of a, a single cell up there in the upper left corner. And you can see that a cell is very, very complicated. And in the very center of the cell, the boss that tells everything in the cell what to do, it's called the nucleus. And inside the nucleus is where your DNA is. So cancer has to do with this person, this uh, boss of your cell, and what happens to his organization and his communication with the rest of the cell. So if you look at initiation, promotion, and progression, let's think of it as um, you're going to plant a lawn. The first thing that you have to do to get your lawn going, you've got to prepare the soil, right? So you get the soil all fertilized and, and softened up. You do everything that you need to do just so that it's prepared and you put the seed in it, okay? So that's initiation initiation, getting the seed into the soil. The second part is promotion. That seed won't grow unless you have water and sunlight, you know, and certain air temperatures. So promotion are the factors that promote the seed to grow. Now, the seed we're going to liken to the cancer cell, okay? So it's got to be planted into a tissue, but then the environment has to be just right for the seed to start growing. And then the lawn, with all the right factors, starts coming up. And if you don't take control of it, it can just spread everywhere. There are certain grasses that just go crazy. Now, grass is kind of nice. You've got to work with it more. But things that become out of control, we call them weeds. So we can think of cancer that goes to the progression stage, stage as something that goes to the weed stage, and it just takes over everything. All right? So that's the simple basis. What is initiation? Well, let's first look at what normal growth of, the, of a cell. No matter what cell it is, it's all the same. It follows this pattern. So up on the top here, we have normal cell division. And you see on the left, it starts with one cell. And in a magic dance within the cell, from the nucleus all through the whole cell, it divides into two. 
and then one of those two cells, they divide into two. You know, you go from one to two to four to eight, you know, 16, they just keep doubling. But what you see there on the third um, um, cells over, you notice the green with the red star in the middle. That's a cell that's been damaged. So that cell has mutated. If everything is working right inside the cell and the nucleus, the body is made, God made us, that when something goes wrong like that, it will destroy itself. It's called cell suicide or apoptosis. And so that cell will stop growing, will stop growing, multiplying um, damaged cells. So normal cell growth is if there's, you know, they keep dividing, and if something happens and the DNA gets damaged, the cell will destroy itself. Now on the bottom half is what happens with cancer. If that cell on top that has the red star in it does not commit suicide, if something is wrong with the messages inside the DNA and it does not destroy itself, it's going to start multiplying. And so then you'll get two destroyed cells, and then four, and then eight, and they'll just keep on going. Two, three, four different mutations. And as we'll see, what commonly happens is mutations multiply. They're not just simple mutations, but it starts um, getting more aggravated and more aggressive in its behavior until you get to the very part that you see on the bottom right-hand side of the, the slide. It's uncontrolled growth. The cells just become a mass. And that's after you get, oh, millions of cells, then a doctor might be able to feel a, tum a tumor. But you can have this process going on for years, on for years, feel anything. It's not until you get a decent-sized mass that's almost to the fourth mutation and then down to uncontrolled growth. So if we put this into our three stages, the initiation would be if cell damage does not repair itself. And it goes on to mutate, and that would be in the promotion stage, and then progression is when it's out of control. Okay, simple enough? So here's an example of what, this, what normal growth looks like. And we're going to look at the skin because it's very easy to understand it with the skin. So from the bottom of the slide, this little patch that you see of skin is what we call the dermis. And right above the dermis is a layer of cells. They're called the basal layer. And that layer of cells is what divides and keeps making the epidermal layer. So they make cells and they keep migrating upward. Okay? So the epidermis is there. It's, it's the top layer of your skin. And they're constantly growing and you're constantly sloughing off skin cells. That's normal growth. If something gets in and damages the DNA of, the, of a cell, what's going to happen up in the epidermal layer, as you see on the top patch, it starts multiplying. 
And as it goes farther, then it can go deeper into the dermis. And then it just starts spreading from there. Now, not all tumors are um, malignant. We have benign and we have um, malignant. A benign tumor is one that won't, it'll grow, but it won't go uncontrolled. At a certain point, it will stop. A good example of a benign tumor is a wart. A wart is caused by a virus, and the virus gets into the cell and gets right into the DNA area and starts changing the messaging that goes on inside the cell. And normal skin cells, when they touch each other, they stop dividing. But when the virus gets in and gives the wrong direction to the, to the genes and telling the rest of the cell what to do, it gets out of control and they don't obey the laws anymore. And when they touch another skin cell, instead of saying, okay, don't divide anymore, it keeps dividing. And so then you'll end up with a patch of skin that's overgrown. You're all familiar with what a wart looks like. But they don't go crazy like a cancerous skin cell. So that would be a benign tissue. The, the malignant ones, though, they will continue to invade the surrounding tissue. And then they will get into the blood vessels. And those cancer cells that get into the blood vessels, guess where they're going to go? They're going to go throughout the body. And that's when you have metastasis. So a cancer cell can start in your lung, and as it keeps growing and hits the blood vessels, it can spread throughout your body. And we've all heard of that happening. And they'll um, plant somewhere else in the tissue and start growing. So I've already mentioned the difference between benign and malignant. On the far left-hand side, on the upper layer, that's just a simple benign tumor. But the malignant ones are going to keep spreading out and eventually get into the blood vessels. Now the big question is, how do these mutations happen? And a mutation, we all know what a mutant is, right? It's something that's out of form. So how does a cell become mutated? Let's look at what happens. I want to first have you realize that the way that our body is made is described in Psalms 139. This is incredible. We've read it before, you know, where, where David says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But if you read the verses before and after it, what he says is, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Now, we've all heard of DNA, right? It was an incredible discovery in the last um, century. And what they have found that this DNA has a curiously wrought double helix. So it's two strands that are intertwined. So when he says that you possessed my reins, I believe what he's saying is you were in control of my two strands of DNA. You were putting them together. And 
what I was going to turn out to be was not hid from God. He could look at one strand of DNA and he could see what the whole person is going to look like. That's what the, the genome project is. It's mapping of the DNA and it's able to tell, is this person going to have blue eyes? Are they going to have this shape of nose? So God knew just from looking at the DNA when David, what he's saying, when I was being formed in the lowest parts of the earth, we're an earthen vessel. The Bible describes the human as an earthen vessel. So what he was saying is when I was being formed in the womb, you saw that strand of DNA and you knew all about me. Isn't that awesome? And then he says, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. He, per he wasn't mature yet, but God saw him. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in co continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. And on the left-hand side of the screen, you can see um, a DNA helix, double helix, and it's on top of a book with letters in it. There's only four letters in the alphabet of the DNA. And from that, everything that we are is written. And God knows that. I believe, this is my belief, I'm just putting it out there, I can't prove it, but I believe that the, the book is written in heaven of our full DNA code. It's all there. And do you know that every thought you have, every action you have, Every emotion you have changes your DNA and makes a DNA reaction, and that will be recorded in your book. It's incredible. God knows all about us, and he knows what he can make us come back to. Well, let's look at this DNA that is so incredible. If we break God's laws, God's laws are written on our DNA, so any breaking of these basic needs that we had talked about in a previous lecture is going to affect the DNA. It's going to change it. So that's why it's critical to understand how to stay within the path of our essential needs. And we might think we can get away with getting off the path, but the DNA pays the price. And you might not feel it, but the DNA does, and eventually it'll catch up to you. So initiation is when something gets into the cell and changes it. That something is called a carcinogen. So we want to know what are carcinogens. Well, here we have on the far right, you see the double helix, and that's in the center of the cell. And I've got a list there. There are chemicals free radicals, radiation, infectious agents, and then I have heredity up there. You know, when you go to the doctor and they want to ask you about your health, they always ask you about your family history, right? Is there a family history of cancer? Because if there's a family history, does that make you more likely to have cancer? Yes. It can, but I want to tell you that heredity is just the lifestyle of your predecessors breaking the laws of life that changes their DNA, and then they pass down that DNA change to you.
So some people say heredity loads the gun and lifestyle pulls the trigger. But it's really lifestyle loads the gun and lifestyle pulls the trigger. Now, it might not have been your lifestyle, but it was someone back in your line. So it's always lifestyle. It's an emerging science called epigenetics. And what they have found around the double helix, there's a whole code, it's the laws of life, that tell the genes what to do. So it's really the lifestyle that controls what gene expression is found. So we have three players in this game. It's not a fun game of cancer. But we have oxidants, and oxidants form free radicals. And then we have those that are trying to get rid of these enemies, the free radicals, and they're called antioxidants. So an, oxi an oxidant is just a free oxygen molecule, and oxygen's good, right? About 98% of the oxygen that we take in any form, whether it's from breathing or even from water and different molecular chemi chemical reactions that happen in the body, oxygen is released. About 2% of oxygen becomes free oxygen, and it can become damaging. What happens is, if it becomes weak and loses an electron, it's not balanced. And it is driven to become balanced by stealing an electron from somewhere else. So what they do is go into other cells, and they penetrate through and get into the DNA in order to find an electron. Now, the antioxidants are substances that you get mostly from your diet and even from your lifestyle. Your body can make them if your lifestyle is in, in good balance. They are things that are able to connect to these free radicals, these molecules that are looking for an electron, and they can safely pick them up and dispose of them out of the body. They neutralize them. If they're not neutralized by an antioxidant, what will happen is when it steals, a free, when it steals an electron from one molecule, one cell, Guess what? Now that one's missing an electron. And it becomes a free radical, and it's going to go attack somewhere else. And so it starts this cascade of attack, and cell after cell gets damaged. So it's very important to have antioxidants. And we'll talk about where you can find plenty of those as we come to um, the end of our lecture. Now, DNA mutations happen in several different ways. If you can look at the top strand, you have the different colors of little tags that you see are the different DNA bases, A, T, G, and C. That's all you have to remember. Now, there can be just a simple base change. Let's say that your DNA is writing out B-A-T. It spells bat. And something comes in, knocks out the B, and puts a C in. And now you spell C-A-T. 
Is there a difference between a bat and a cat? Yes. So that's a simple base change, but it can totally change the function of that cell. So even simple changes can be damaging to a cell. And then you could have a base inserted. Instead of one removed, one can come in. And if you add a letter to a word, that changes it as well. And then there's just deletions where a number of bases can be pulled out. So if you can see, it doesn't matter how simple or how complicated the changes are, you can get a misreading and a miscoding of the genes. Now, let me, let me mention something that might help make it clearer, too. It is the genes that tell the industry within the cell what product to make, particularly protein. So in your skin cells, the, the gene is going to be telling it to produce proteins that make more skin cells. Or your hair cells, the follicles, the gene is going to be saying, okay, here uh, you need to produce proteins that are called keratin, and that's where you get your hair. Okay? So the genes are telling the cell the right kind of protein to make. Here we have five different um, progressions of what happens with cancer. At the far left, you have normal cells. You see how nice and even they are? The next column is called hyperplasia. Hyper means excessive. So that is where something has triggered the cell to promote, to produce more growth factor than it normally produces. And it starts promoting more cells. So you see how it's doubled in size? That's the beginning of the progression to cancer. It's not cancer yet, but it's on the road. So if, if let's talk, let's use a simple illustration that I think everybody's familiar with. With men, if they get prostatic hyperplasia, they haven't got prostate cancer yet, but the tissue in the prostate is enlarging. And they're going to start getting symptoms because the prostate has the urethra going right through it, the ureter going right through it. And as the prostate enlarges, it squeezes your urethra, your ureter, sorry, and it makes it difficult to urinate. So it's a first symptom that something's changing. And you might go and get a biopsy, and the doctor says, not cancer yet, it's hyperplasia. That should be your first warning sign to start making changes because you're doing something in your lifestyle that is promoting the pathway of cancer. If you don't change, the next stage is called mild dysplasia. So if you look at the difference between hyperplasia and mild dysplasia, you'll see that there's still organization in hyperplasia. But you see in dysplasia, it's getting disorganized. So that's why it's called dysplasia. It's disorganized. It's getting a little bit more confused. The communication in the cell from the genes is getting more damaged. Okay, is that clear to see? 
By the time you get to the fourth um, level, carcinoma in situ, the cancer cells are beginning to form. They haven't got out of control yet. They're still in situ, meaning contained. It's severe dysplasia. But if you have that, they're going to want to cut it out. Okay? If you go on to the next stage, you can see the cancer cells are proliferating. They're out of control, and they're starting to spread out of that contained area. So it's invasive cancer. Now, there's several different things that are programmed into the DNA that will prevent the cell from going on to cancer. You know, this reminds me of the plan of salvation. God made Adam and Eve perfect. There was no sin in creation. But the plan of salvation was in, fact, in effect in case they made the wrong choice. And as soon as they sinned, the blood of Jesus was covering them. It hadn't been shed yet, but the, Jesus had already pledged that he would provide a remedy. With cancer cells, before there was ever cancer, God put into our genes a mechanism that would stop cancer. And the first one is the normal genes have something that are called proto-oncogenes. They control normal cell growth. Your cells need to grow, right? There's a problem if they don't grow. And so inside the DNA are genes that say, okay, time to grow, okay, time to stop. So there's breaks and there's, there's accelerators. So these certain genes are what tell the cell to grow. But if something gets into the DNA and damages that specific gene, that tells the, the cell when to grow and when not to grow, it turns those genes into oncogenes. And it's basically what the name says, oncogenes, turn on the genes. And there's no moderation, no regulation of cell growth. It's just grow and grow and grow. So you do not want anything getting into your cells and damaging that fragile DNA because it's very simple to mutate these genes and instead of being controlled, there's no control. They're out of control. You're starting to understand why I used 1 Corinthians 15 to say that cancer is evil communication. This is exactly what's happening. There's the communication that regulates things and keeps it on an even keel has been disrupted. Now there's genes that are in the DNA that suppress tumors. They're called tumor suppressor genes. And if something gets in, some carcinogen gets into the DNA and hits those tumor suppressor genes, it inactivates the tumor suppressor genes and causes them to not act. So it's just like you have a security guard and a burglar comes and what he does is tie up the security guard 
and then he gets in and robs your house. So a carcinogen gets into the DNA, ties up this tumor suppressor gene that prevents the this tumor from growing, and then it just gets in and does whatever it wants to do. It says, aha, uh-huh, you're not stopping me from growing. I'm taking over. The other third mechanism that God has put into our cells is called DNA repair genes. And back about 50 years ago, before there were computers, and we had typewriters and it had the backspace bar, you know? Well, now on computers, we have the same thing. We have the delete button. That's exactly what it is in the DNA. There is mechanisms that pick up when the DNA miscodes. And it says, wait a minute. And this has to happen before the cell divides. So as quick as it happens, these, gene, these other genes that are surrounding the oncogenes and the tumor suppressor genes, they're right there. And they said, it's like a proofreader, you know, an editor. They're looking at what's being coded. And they'll say, uh-uh, stop, stop, back up, back up, cut that out. And that's what the, the genes do. And it'll go and cut out that misreading. Whatever was inserted, whatever was deleted, and it'll correct it. Isn't that amazing? We are made by a wonderful creator. If I, I don't know how anyone could think otherwise. <laughs> it's just, it is so incredible. But what will happen is a, a carcinogen will get into the gene, and it will damage these DNA repair genes. And so what happens if you don't have a proofreader? You have all kinds of misspellings. And if you have misspellings, you're going to produce a bat instead of a cat. Simple, isn't it? Yes. So what happens with cancer? It's not just one thing tends to happen. You know, these three different mechanisms, it's not just one or the other. They tend to work together. And when one happens, it allows the other ones to happen. So you start off with a mutation, and it inactivates the suppressor gene. So the cell starts multiplying. As the cell starts multiplying, because the suppressor gene is gone, then mutations can happen that block the DNA repair. And so then you have more mutations happening. And then as you get more damaged cells, then the next thing is that there's the growth factor, um, the tumor suppressor genes and the oncogenes that normally stop growth are gone, and you just get wild proliferation. Do you see how important it is to keep your, your body working in the proper way and not allowing this to get out of hand? I want to tell you that God is good and he cures our diseases. But with cancer and even with some autoimmune diseases, but particularly as we're talking about cancer, it's a scary disease. It's harder to back it up once it gets going. What you want to realize is that every day, every one of us are producing cancer cells. And if your cancer prevention mechanism 
is not in strength and vitality, your chance of becoming a statistic is one out of two. That's pretty dismal. And so I just hope that I can influence all of you to realize that today is the day that you need to start taking control of your lifestyle and putting into practice the things that I'll, I'll show you that will help prevent this. So what happens is, as these cancer cells start growing, they're producing toxic substances. They're out there gossiping. And you know how gossip tears you down and makes you feel awful and makes you feel weak? And it can even disable somebody? Well, these mutant cells are producing things that are similar to that. They're called cytokines, and they're called proteases. Proteases break down protein. And so these chemicals go to the surrounding environment and they start chewing away the cell membrane of the cells that are around them. And then the cytokine starts dissolving the interior part of the cell and they become weak and they say, aha, we got you. And so then cancer cells make more cancer cells and they just make a mass, an ugly mass of the tissue. It's just like sin, you know? It's just like the things that we do when we become an enemy of God. Cancer is like sin. Sin is like cancer. And it gets in, and it just wants to take over. So we go from proliferation to progression. If all of the defenses that we've talked about fail, then the cancer cells are going throughout the body, they're going to look where they can invade, get into the bloodstream, and they're going to metastasize. And as I've mentioned, it may take 10 or 20 years before you notice a tumor. But with the things that are going on in our world today, there are things that are accelerating cancer growth. And you might have known somebody that had a very aggressive cancer. And they might go in to see the doctor one day, and in two weeks or six months, it's, they're gone. It can be very aggressive. It is more of a blessing, if I can say that, to have a cancer that's not so aggressive, because then you have time to work with the body. But the more aggressive it is, the harder it is to stop it. All right. Let's look at some of the causes of these mutations, free radical sources. Now, I'm not, tonight, I have so much material I want to cover. I'm not giving you resources for all of this, but if you're interested, you can email me or contact me, and I will give you pages of resources that document that these things are carcinogenic, free radical sources. The first thing I have on the list is bad air. Now, of course, we think of smog. You know, we know that smog is loaded with chemicals, heavy metals, volatile organic compounds, things that just tear you down. You know that if you live in a city, they show pictures of people that have lived in the city, and you see their lungs, and it's loaded with these black pollutants. Those promote cancer. But did you know things that we think are good? to freshen our fabric or to freshen our air 
are carcinogenic. Fabric softeners are some of the most carcinogenic agents man has ever made. The good news is, is that because of all this knowledge coming out, there's companies that are producing what we call green products. So you can get some fabric softeners that are not carcinogenic. Vinegar is an excellent fabric softener. Put it in your rinse water and it helps soften your clothes. But the fabric softener that you buy at your grocery store that smells really nice and make your clothes anti-static, those are carcinogenic. You put those into the dryer and that heat activates this carcinogen and everybody around breathes it. Air fresheners. Air fresheners are highly toxic. The only ones that are safe are when they come from an, a plant. So if you have an essential oil, you know, like lavenders, and you know, some of them are even made from like orange oil or lemon oil, those are safe. But any of them that are synthetically made, you want to stay away from them. The first place that they go, it's in the air, right? And so it's gonna go on your skin, but it's gonna go into your lungs. Do you know the fastest route to get to your brain? is through your lungs. So what you're breathing in is going to impact your brain. So these are some top things that you want to eliminate. What about some things like overeating? Overeating taxes the body. It puts a strain on it and produces free radicals, oxidants. And even if it's the best food, it will still break down your cells. So you want to make sure you eat moderately. Poor eating habits. We've been talking about that in all of our previous lectures. And we'll talk a little bit more about it. But you want to make sure you have the right food. Excessive exercise as well as not enough exercise breaks down your cells. So these athletes that are out there, marathon runners, and you know they're just pushing and pushing their body, if you look at them in their youth, they look great, don't they? But do you notice how fast they age? How fast they age? Tearing down their body tissue. So nothing to excess. You want to exercise, but not overly exercise. I would say that there's probably only a fraction of a percent of people that are in that category. Most of us fall into the other category of being a couch potato. You don't want to be a couch potato. So even 20 minutes of exercise a day is beneficial, three times a week. Walking is a wonderful exercise. It doesn't have to be strenuous and, and back-breaking. You want it to be comfortable, but get out there and move. Trauma and inflammation. If you have an injury, like a woman gets hit in the breast with a, let's say she's out cutting wood or something and a log hits her. That broken down tissue can be, uh, uh, the threshold of its integrity is weakened and it can be a spot where if other factors, other carcinogens come in, can cause a tumor. And while I'm mentioning that, 
I want you to realize that cancer is never just one factor. It's factor after factor after factor. You just keep piling it on. And you heard the saying, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. So, you know, you keep having these insults to the cell, and finally it says, I can't take any more, and it breaks. Caffeine, alcohol, tobacco, drugs, we know that those break down the body. We'll talk about caffeine a little bit more. High-fat foods, trans fats, charbroiled meats, um, nitrites from the refined meats, the processed meats, and all animal products promote free radical formation and will be carcinogens in the body. I want to just show you something about the charcoal broiled um, meat. Two pounds of charcoal broiled steak is equivalent to smoking 600 cigarettes. When you put that meat on top of the hot coals, and the juice, the fats, and the blood drip down on those coals, and it makes this smoke, and it goes back up into the meat, it, is, it forms benzopyrene. And that's what you get in 600 cigarettes. So, you want to stay away from charcoal broiled steak, right? Is that the moral? Okay, other free radical sources. Too much ultraviolet light. Now there's ultraviolet light that's UVA, and then there's UVB. The UVA is what is more damaging. UVB is what promotes the health. That's what helps um, the body make vitamin D, but it's the, it's the UVA that breaks down the cell, the skin tissue. But I want to say something about this. Too much ultraviolet light is, even if it's UVB, the good kind, if you burn, that's damaging your cell, the, the skin cell, and will promote the formation of skin cancer, particularly melanoma, later in your life. But the number one problem that causes skin cancer is not the sun. Multiple researches have shown that what it is is the free fats, animal fats, and free vegetable oils that we take in our diet. Because fat oxidizes faster than any other food substance. Oxidize means that it picks up oxygens and becomes a free radical. And so when you're taking in free oils, I'm going to guarantee you they're going to be oxidized by the time you take them in. And so when you take those into your, into your body, the fatty layers of the skin have those damaged fat molecules. And when the UV light hits it, it oxidizes it more and breaks the cell. So the number one cause of skin cancer is not sunlight. It's free fats and animal fats in the diet. So too much radiation, that's kind of a given. And I think in our world today, we're getting lots of radiation from like Fukushima. You know, it's just being poured out on us. So you want to make sure you've got lots of antioxidants in your diet. And I'll mention a few as we progress here. Pesticides, chemicals, heavy metals, 
particularly mercury, lead, and aluminum. These come in uh, abundance in our environment. Mercury. Where's one of the most prominent sources of mercury? Fish. There's something even more than fish, but yes, fish is loaded with them. And while you mentioned that, I'm glad you mentioned fish. In January of 2007, a lab in Oregon finished looking at all of the water sources around the world. They looked at every ocean. They looked at every stream in the Antarctic, the, the Arctic, the pristine waters of any place in the world, and the polluted waters of the world. Do you know what they found? There was not a single source of fish that was not polluted with mercury. So the question is, if it's way up in the Arctic, where did the mercury come from? There's no industries around. It comes from the rain. It comes from the air. It's everywhere in our air. And it's raining down, and then it gets into everything to our soil and into our water. So there is no unpolluted waters in our world left. So we're taking that in. Now, another big source of mercury? Fillings. I have a brother, and he does anaerobic wastewater treatment um, systems. And every two years, three years, he has to go to keep his certification up. And several years ago, he went to a, a series of talks, and the man was presenting on the greatest toxins that we face in our underground water system and even in our reclaimed water. Do you know what the top pollutant in our reclaimed water is? It's mercury. Do you know what its source is? The source of mercury in our reclaimed water is from people brushing their teeth. Because when you brush your teeth, you abrade your fillings, and it causes the mercury to vaporize, and then it's in the toothpaste, and you spit it out, and then it gets into our water supply. But you're abrading your fillings when you chew. And so then where does it go? It goes down the hatch with your food and affects your digestive organs. I believe that's why we have such poor digestion in our world today. You know, we talk about there's, there's a big um, issue out there with <clears throat> gluten and other food sensitivities. I believe this is one of the major problems. Well, let, well, before we move on, I want to talk about aluminum. There's a heavy source of aluminum in our cooking ware. So you do not want to use aluminum pots and pans. Be, and don't use aluminum foil. All that aluminum is soaked into your food, gets into your body. So make sure you use glass or, or stainless steel and a good quality of it. Other sources of aluminum, big sources, underarm deodorant. So you want to make sure you get aluminum free. And you think about this, the heavy metals that we take into our body are not flushed out unless you are actively doing something to get rid of them. But they get into the bloodstream and then they hide away in your tissue. 
and they they stay there and they keep building up. This is why fish is so dangerous to eat because they're continuing to eat the plants in the ocean that are loaded with mercury and that's stored away in their fatty tissue. And it keeps building up and building up through their life. And then when you eat them, you are getting a heavy load of contamination of heavy metals. So it's called biomagnification. So this is another reason that animal food, even fish, is unsafe today. It's, there's too much pollutants in it. I want to mention lead. We can get lead in pottery, so you want to make sure that you have lead-free potteries, particularly if you're using it for serving food in. Crockpots, the glaze in crockpots, tend to have mercury in it. Now I want to tell you another source of lead. Burning candles. The wick is made out of, has lead in it. That's what makes it burn slow and long. And so as you burn the candle, the lead vaporizes into the air and you breathe it in. It's everywhere, isn't it? We, we can hardly escape the pollution that's in the world. But if you become aware of it, then you can change. They have soy candles out there and they have lead-free wicks. So you just have to learn where these contaminants are and then you have to go out of your way. But once you, once you learn the path, you just go there. EMFs, electromagnetic fields. You do not want to live under power lines. Within 500 feet, especially cell towers. You know, we're living in a really um, shaky world because of cell towers. You can't escape microwaves. But the closer you live to them, the more they have seen you, you put your body at risk for some of these more dangerous diseases like cancer. What about microwaves? Well, this, the controversy on microwaves have been going on for ages. And I'm going to tell you that for me, I'm going to tell you my personal choice. My daughter died in 2006. Within a two-year period, I had five family members die of cancer. In 2008, I went to work at a health center, and I was there for two years. I saw multitudes of patients with cancer, and most of them don't make it. And so I have come to believe that it's better safe than sorry. I'm not going to wait for 20 years of research to definitively say microwaves are bad. Microwaves heat up a food and they vibrate the molecular structure to such a degree you don't know what kind of breakage is going to be going on, particularly in the proteins. You know, you can, you know that when you bake a potato in an oven, it comes out different than if you overbake it in a microwave. It turns into like rubber. It's changing the structure. It's changing the chemistry. And then you take that into you, into your body, and your cells have to do something with it. And so these are promoters. So my feeling is, one, I don't want to be within six feet of one that's running. I don't even own one. And it took a little bit to get rid of it. 
you know, even for heating up water. They're very convenient, aren't they? But it's not worth it. So you just wash a few extra dishes. So that's my feeling. I'd rather leave them alone and be safe. Hot beverages. Do you know that drinking beverages that are too hot, you know, like our coffees, and even if you have cereal beverages, cereal coffee, that hot heat weakens the integrity of the cells throughout your esophagus and into your stomach. So you want to stay away from hot, hot beverages. Don't put that strain on your cells. We're going to move on to chemicals, additives and pesticides. American morticians are reporting that it takes longer for a corpse to decay today than they did years ago. And the reason is, is because we are taking in so many preservatives that our bodies are not breaking down. The vinyl flooring that we have, highly toxic. They are making some that are not so severe. But they've done all kinds of studies. They found that children that are raised in homes with vinyl flooring have more learning disabilities. So you are going to be breaking down tissues, and we're looking at cancer. This is a promoter. Parabens is, is a product, a chemical, that's in body products in particular. You want to get rid of parabens. So just look at your labels on your shampoos, your lotions, your body washes. Got to watch out for those. And then our foods. You want to avoid food that has preservatives in it. If it's going to preserve the food, I'm telling you, it's going to preserve you. And it's not going to preserve you from dying. It's going to take your life, but then you're not going to decay as fast. And who cares about that after you're gone? I'm not even going to go into the details on additives. But I'm going to tell you, in 1955, there were 419 million pounds of additives put into our food. That sounds like a lot. Today, there's over a billion pounds. That is an equivalent in the United States to 50 pounds of additives per person. And you get these substances in that are not made from nature, and I'm telling you, they're putting your DNA at risk. And the proof is in the pudding. One out of two people are getting cancer. Something's happening. In 1958, there were only 700 different types of chemicals put into food. Today, there's over 10,000, and they're not monitored. They're not tested. We're in a very serious state. I'm just going to give you one example. The caramel coloring that's common in sodas, but common in many different foods. The Consumers Report did a study and they found that it raises your cancer risk. It's damaging to your DNA. So anything you find on a label, if it's not from nature, you better watch out. I'm just going to briefly hit some of the harmful foods. Anytime you take something from nature and refine it out of its original package, it's going to be harmful to the body. 
there will be a program available that you're not going to hear, but we've taped it, and it's on fats, the best fats for our body. You'll want to watch that because it tells what happens when you take the oil out of a plant and separate it from all its nutrition, all its fiber, all of its enzymes. There's no nutritional value. It's empty calories. There's little nutritional value. I can't say there's none. But I think it's been said for decades that you want whole grain and not refined grain, right? We don't want refined white rice. We want whole brown rice. Why do we think that refining fats are going to be any better? And especially fats, because fats oxidize faster than any other food substance. So they are the most damaging refined foods to your body. Sugar, we, um, there, we did a whole um, talk on sugar, so I recommend that you find that. I'll mention a few things here in a moment. But on our protein, any of our high sources of protein from the animal kingdom are going to be cancer-promoting. And then if you refine the protein from your plant source, it's going to be compromising it when you remove the fiber. I think of one common refined plant protein is tofu. Now, I don't, I'm not going to tell you that tofu is on the same category as like your animal protein, but it's refined and it's heavy protein. And when you get too much protein into your body, you get byproduct breakdown that's damaging to the cell. If you do have, have tofu, make sure you get organic because one of the big problems with tofu, it comes from soybean, and that's the highest genetically modified crop there is. And we're not even going to go into GMOs. There's a wonderful series put out by Raymond Obamsawin. You can get it from Amazing Discoveries. I highly urge you to watch it. Genetically modified foods are at the top of the list of what's causing cancer. So we'll leave it at that as far as genetically modified. We talked a little bit about sugar. One of the big causes of sugar and cancer is that it depresses your immune system. It makes those white blood cells that are your so soldiers, it disables them. They literally become as though they're drunk. They can't function. So they took a person and they did not eat any sugar for 12 hours. They found that the white blood cells in that person could destroy 14 bacteria. They then gave them the equivalent of half of a soda, and it dropped to 10 bacteria that the white blood cell could eat. Then they gave them 12 teaspoons of sugar, and it dropped down to four, to six, excuse me, six bacteria. As it got up to 18, it dropped down to two, and when it got to 24, the amount in two sodas, it could not destroy a black bacteria. They loosen them breaks down, that's your defense, and the enemy comes in, and you get DNA damage. This is an incredible research that was done in Australia in 2008. 
This researcher is particularly interested in diabetes. And what they found is that when you have one meal, one substance that raises your blood sugar above normal, that could be just a cookie, a single cookie or a single candy bar. And it raises the blood sugar above normal, which would be normal would be not more, I would say 120, but not more than 140 after taking in a food. So one increase over normal damages the DNA for two weeks. And how often are we taking in substances that spike our blood sugar? And you can do that with natural foods. Dry fruit is loaded in sugar. And so if you take in a little bit too many dates, you're going to get this spike in your blood sugar. And if you do that more often than once every two weeks, you are looking at chronic DNA damage. And if you continue that, you're going to damage your DNA that will be passed on to your children. That's serious. We do not understand. This is talking about particularly sugar that's been refined. And refined sugar comes in the form of maple syrup. It comes in the form of agave. It comes in the form of honey. Did you know that honey is a refined sugar? The bees refine it. It's made from pollen. There's no fiber in it. So you have to be careful. You've got to watch the sugar lecture. We have a lecture on what has love got to do with it. That'll explain it. You've got to be careful. We want to be loved, but not that kind. And, and let me just tell you, the amount of sugar that you need a day is only six teaspoons. Anything above that, you're going to get in trouble. I want to give you this one example of a research that had been done. You can find this story on the Internet. Paul Stitt is a bio, was a biochemist. He's passed away. And one of his first jobs out of school was with Quaker Oats. And he and a colleague were going through the files to see what kind of research had been done on products that Quaker Oats had made. And they came across this research when puffed wheat was discovered and made. And what they did to test the toxicity or nutritional value of their new product is they took four cages of rats. The first cage, they fed them nothing but whole grains, 100% whole grains. The second cage, they gave them chemical vitamins and nutrients, you know, supplements, synthetic or even natural, that was made just for the profile of the rats, you know, the rats' needs. The third group, they gave nothing but pure white sugar. And the last group, they gave 100% puffed wheat. Now, if you look at the package of puffed wheat, it's going to tell you 100% whole wheat. Nothing added, nothing, no preservatives. There's not even salt in it. It's 100% whole wheat. The animals that were fed the whole grains, vitamins, and minerals lived a little bit more than a year, the normal lifespan of a rat. Those that were fed chemical nutrients specifically for, for the rat's needs, they lived only two months. Those that were fed white sugar, a diet completely void of any nutrients, lived one month. So you look at that, 
and you can kind of get an idea where you think they, how long they lived if they ate the puffed wheat, which was 100% whole grain, right? Do you know how long they lived? Two weeks. 50% of the time of those that were fed pure sugar. The conclusion of the matter was that not only was it nutritionally deplete, but something in the process where they put the grain under 1,500 pounds of pressure changes the chemical structure and it becomes toxic. I'm telling you, if man touches it, you better question it. You want to hear the rest of the story? So Paul Stitt and his colleague took that research, and guess what they did? They marched right down to the president's office and said, do you know about puffed wheat? Look at this. And they told him the results, and the president said, what do I care if people put this in their mouths or throw it on brides at weddings? This product made $9 million for my company last year. You get rid of that report, and I don't want to hear anything else about it, or you're out of here. So eventually, he was out of there. He left. And he was a little bit disgruntled and disillusioned with the food industry, and he ended up marrying Barbara Stitt, who was a juvenile probation officer who put her juveniles on 100% whole food, whole plant food. And those juveniles that stayed on the whole plant food never returned to the delinquent system again. And so the two of them got together and um, did a whole grain bakery in Wisconsin, and Paul Stitt replicated this study. We replicated same results. But I'm going to tell you, you won't find any of these results anywhere in public. It's gone. Let's move on to caffeine. You want some more good news? <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, did you know that caffeine prevents the repair of DNA? So that mechanism where the DNA Re, um, repairs itself, caffeine prevents it. Just two or more cups of coffee per day more than doubles the risk of ovarian cancer. Lung cancer patients have their um, DNA um, suppressor genes, the, the, the DNA repair genes are suppressed. Caffeine is suppressing um, this DNA repair, so it is going to increase the risk of lung cancer. But as I told you earlier, all cancer has the DNA repair genes suppressed. So all cancer is going to, hypothetically, whether it's been tested or not, is going to be impaired by caffeine. But especially if you combine caffeine with a high-fat diet, it's going to significantly increase your risk of breast cancer. And even men have breast, and even men get breast cancer. Now, something that I don't have up on the slide. I want to tell you that the caffeine molecule is very similar in structure 
to one of the DNA bases. It is so similar that it easily gets into the DNA and inserts itself. And remember, one of the problems with DNA damage is insertions. And so that, that caffeine molecule gets in and the DNA doesn't recognize it, the, the, the DNA repair genes. And so then that cell will replicate with the air because caffeine is not the right base and it will code for something wrong. So caffeine is not only a cancer promoter, it is, a, it is cancer strengthening in two different ways, by changing the DNA and by stopping the DNA repair molecules. Do we all know the common sources of caffeine? First on the list, coffee. What about decaf coffee? There's still traces. There's, there's less, but there's still traces in decaf. And your black teas, your white teas, and even your green teas have caffeine in it. Sodas. Sodas are loaded with them. I'll show you a graph here in a minute. What about the new energy drinks? Oh, I'll tell you, people are pouring those down. They're even giving them to children. And when I was looking up sources of caffeine, do you know where caffeine, they're putting it? They're putting it in oatmeal. You can buy oatmeal with caffeine in it, so you don't have to have your cup of coffee. And kids that aren't getting the right foods and need a little perk, they can eat their oatmeal, and nobody knows why they're so hyper. What about chocolate? Chocolate has caffeine in it. And so chocolate is a DNA damager. And then there's medications. I just have a couple up there. Weight loss pills are notorious for having caffeine. And Excedrin has a whopping dose of, of caffeine in it. Here's just a, a little bar graph of some of our beverages with caffeine. So at the very left-hand side, there's just trace amount, 3 milligrams of, caf of caffeine left in decaf decaf coffee. But I want to tell you, ca caffeine is not the only toxin in coffee. So even if you take the caffeine out, you don't want to drink coffee. Okay, there's other toxins in it. Stay away from coffee. Chocolate, hot chocolate. It's not quite the same as coffee up there, but it still has a load in there. And all it takes is one molecule of caffeine to insert itself into one DNA that does not get repaired and you have a cancer cell. It's not worth the risk. So the rest of them you can just see in that, that Red Bull, those energy drinks, they're even loading it more than that. Let me talk a little bit about chocolate because chocolate is huge and I might lose a lot of friends tonight. <laughs> But that's okay, I love you, and I have to tell you the truth. Because I don't like the statistics of one in two people getting cancer. And it's painful to have someone die from cancer. So I'm going to tell you, chocolate is not about love. A candy bar usually has a little bit less than 10 milligrams. But the darker the chocolate, the more caffeine it has. A Hershey special dark chocolate bar has 31 milligrams, almost as much as a, as a can of Coke. 
So it's not just because we love it that we keep going back to it. There's addictive substances in it. Caffeine is addictive. There's some things that are chocolate, uh, that are um, caffeine fortified, like the Snickers Charge. That's why it's called Charge. It has 60 milligrams. That's the same as a cup of tea. And just in passing, I won't beat up just on caffeine, but chocolate has two other DNA-altering substances. One is theobromine, and one is phenylethylalamine. The theobromine gets in and damages the DNA. It's very similar in structure as the caffeine. And the phenylethylalamine is a speed-like, amphetamine-like substance. And that damages the DNA. Let's move on to infections. Mold and fungus are huge in promoting DNA damage. You want to keep mold away from your environment. And you live in an environment where mold thrives because it's so moist. You know, you don't have the dry ground. But aspergillus is a byproduct of fungus, and it is very potent at promoting cancer. A source, a high source of aspergillus, peanuts, cashews, and pistachios, and then corn. You know how corn gets that black mold in it? So it gets a lot of aspergillus. T. Colin Campbell, in his book, China Study, says don't eat peanuts, particularly peanut butter, because the damaged, yuckier peanuts are used for peanut butter. So it's concentrated in peanut butter. The best is if you get your own peanuts, get them raw, you can wash them, and then dry them in the oven and make your own peanut butter. If you have a food processor, you can just whiz them up in there long enough and you'll make your own creamy peanut butter. But I'll tell you, almond butter's better, but the best is to eat the whole almond. Because when you process down a nut and make a, a nut butter out of it, you are actually getting too much fat, and it, it allows it to be oxidized. As soon as you break a package of food, the air starts rusting the molecules. You know, you cut an apple and it starts turning brown? That's oxidizing. So when you break a nut that's high in fat, it starts oxidizing. Within about three days, it will be fully oxidized. Have you ever opened up a jar of nut butter or oil and you smell the rancidity? That's what it is. And this is what is cancer promoting. So I still have more bad news, so are you going to stick with me? Cashews. Let me finish telling you about cashews, though. When you use cashews, I just say use them modestly. But always make sure you wash them. And what I like to do is boil them, simmer them. And I, I use distilled water, clean water, because I don't want to add anything else to it. Simmer them for about five minutes. Pour off that. You'll see it's a gray foam that you get. And so that'll help wash off a lot of this aspergillus. Okay, oops, we got to talk about some bacteria. H. pylori has been implicated in stomach cancers. And this last one, this virus that I've mentioned, bovine leukemia virus, is not just responsible for causing leukemia. Bovine means cow, so it's, it grows in cows. But they have found that any animal that takes in this virus 
comes up with tumors in the lungs, in the bladder, in the brain. It causes cancer anywhere throughout the body. In the United States, they have tested her, er, um, herds of cattle, and anywhere from 80 to 100% of cattle have been positive for the bovine leukemia virus antibodies, meaning the animal has been exposed to it. Europe will not take our cattle because we're so high in the bovine um, virus. Some major issues that we're not going to even get into. It would, they'd be a lecture in themselves. Vaccinations. Because we've talked about heavy metals, we've talked about infectious agents, and we've talked about other toxic substances, all three of these are put into a vaccine. And they are made specifically to stimulate your immune system. But instead of suppressing the immune system, what it is doing is overstimulating it and causing inflammation in your body. That's a whole other topic, as well as GMO and excitotoxins. But you have to look into it because they are causing cancer. So as I mentioned before, the Life Science Series by Raymond Obamson, you'll want to look into that. Okay, now it's time to tell you the good news. Guess where you can get all the antioxidants that will scavenge up all these free radicals? They're from God's medicine cabinet. You don't want to have to go to the pharmacy for your prescriptions. You want to go to the farm you see. And this is where you're going to find your medication. So the plant-based foods are loaded with antioxidants, lycopene, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E. And we've got a whole list here. And as modern science is discovering these, guess what the natural food industry is doing? They're isolating them, putting them in a capsule, and saying, here, buy my bottle. Don't get it that way. When they first were discovering antioxidants, like vitamin A, vitamin C, and vitamin E, they said, wow, look at, they're, they're testing them from Whole Foods. And they're saying they're, the, they're antioxidants and they're destroying these free radicals. And so everybody starts buying vitamin A, vitamin C, and vitamin E. And after a little bit more research of these extracted vitamins, guess what they found out? That when these nutrients are isolated from the plant, that they actually become oxidants, free radicals themselves, and promote cancer. So you don't want to get isolated nutrients. You buy them in the whole package, the way God has them to sell to you. Okay? And if you do use supplements, you can get nutrients that are from whole plant food. You know, they're, what they do is juice broccoli and kale or the berries. And then they take the water and the sugars and the salts out, and you can get a little capsule. That's not the best way, but it's better than when they're isolated out, okay? Here's some of the rich fruits. Your berries, a serving of berries a week will help you to live 10 years longer. When we talked about the immune system and 
and science has discovered all these potent um, factors in these fruits, they're putting them in cigarettes because it lowers the effect of the cigarettes. But just get these in abundance. So all your berries, your citrus, and that's because they're loaded with those antioxidants. Blackberries are very powerful. Raspberries are very powerful. And of course, we always hear about blueberries. But blackberries, the seeds, are something that you want. They have B17 in them. B17 is what's known as laetril. And they know that it kills cancer cells, kills cancer cells. Get lots of blackberries. And then, of course, the veggies. They're loaded, too. Garlic, kale, spinach, Brussels sprouts. You've got the list. I, you almost can't name a, a vegetable that isn't loaded with um, cancer-suppressing um, factors. I'll just mention garlic contains allyl sulfite, sulfites, which limit the production of phase one enzymes. These are enzymes produced in the liver that break down food particles into a more um, easily handled product, but they're carcinogenic. So you don't want a lot of phase one. So the garlic suppresses these phase one enzymes. Cruciferous vegetables. I can't say enough about them. Do you know what a cruciferous vegetable is? They're in the cabbage family, and they're called cruciferous because when you look at their molecular structure, they have a cross. So they're called cruciferous. They stop the growth of cancer cells. Isn't that wonderful? They have found it in breast, endometrium, lung, colon, liver, and cervix particular. Is, um, it'll prevent that cancer, and if you have it in those tissue, it'll help get rid of it. So studies have been tracking the diets of all kinds of people, and they found that those that are high in cruciferous vegetables have low rates of cancer, particularly prostate cancer. So here's a list of the members of the cabbage family. There's quite a bit of them up there. But one of the highest is your broccoli. Kale is great. Kale's on the top of the list, but not specifically the the flowering, you know, the, the bunch, you take the seeds and you sprout them. Broccoli sprouts are loaded with nutrients, phytonutrients that kill cancer cells. They are rich in sulforaphane, all the cruciferous family, but particularly your broccoli sprouts. Now, this is something that I think is so neat. Broccoli or any of the cruciferous vegetables have no sulforaphane in them naturally. So if I took a broccoli head and I did a chemical assay of it, I would not find any sulforaphane in it. What you have to do to get it is eat it. You have to chop it up. And when you mash it in your teeth and then it goes into the stomach, there are two substances in that broccoli, glucorophanin, and you add that to the enzyme that is in the broccoli, the myrosinase, and those two combine together and they make sulforaphane. It's like, you know, those glow sticks? You break them and it, and it releases the different chemicals and they join together and it glows. That's what's happening in your cruciferous plants. Isn't that wonderful? Now you're going to destroy the myro myrosinase 
if you cook it. So those who eat a lot of cooked cabbage family, is they're not going to get the benefit of sulforaphan. So do you always have to eat it raw? No. If you eat some of it cooked, but you have a little bit of it raw, you're going to get the enzyme. And that enzyme will get into your stomach and it will combine with the glucorophanin and you'll have the substance you want. Isn't that neat? I mean, I love studying God's world. It is so exciting. Well, these are just a few more substances. I mean, are you sold yet on God's food? Isn't it wonderful? So there's indole-3-carbidol. It changes estrogen metabolism and prevents estrogen-driven cancers. And then there's isothiocyanides. They block the bodies, um, our bodies to break down potential carcinogens. And then um, crambine activates phase 2 enzymes, which destroy the carcinogens as they are being put out by the liver. Vitamin C prevents the formation of carcinogens from nitrites in the colon. Fiber helps get rid of carcinogens from the body. So whole plant foods where you get the fiber. Other eliminators is a low-protein diet. You will have a low-protein diet if you're from a a um, plant-based menu it will reduce tumor growth. So what they found, they fed a a group of people a 20% protein diet. They had greater than 200% units of activity of cancer-promoting enzymes and activity. But on the 5% protein, they had less than 50 units of activity of these harmful enzymes, and that's a 76% decrease. Incredible in the difference between animal protein and plant-based protein. We'll move on to fatty acids. Omega-6 fatty acids found in corn and safflower oil promote rapid cell division. But the fatty acids in the whole foods, flax seeds, olives, walnuts, they get into the cell and they prevent the bad fatty acids that are in abundance and in a wrong form from harming the cell. I have a chart here, and we'll just take a quick look at it. You have three different types of alpha-3 omega fatty acids, and they're the ones that you see in the first group. They are all found only in plants. You will not find omega fatty acids in animals. The animals cannot make it. We cannot make it. We have to get it from plants. Fish cannot make it. They get their supply from eating plants. So that last one, the eicosapentaenoic acid, is found in cold water marine fish, but they have the omega fatty acids because they eat the plants. So get it firsthand, not secondhand, where it comes with all the pollutants. So we want a healthy immune um, system. They have done a study where natural killer cells have a 40, if you have a 40%, percent decreased calorie intake, so 40% less calories, your natural killer cells are increased in their fighting ability and even in number. So overeating is not good. A food-restricted re- food mice, they have strong anti-cancer immunity, cancer growth is suppressed, and survival time is prolonged. 
Estrogen blockers, we talked about the cruciferous um, plants. They also help block any of the, th the bad estrogens that get into your body. So women, we really want to eat our um, cruciferous vegetables. Without exception, except for tobacco consumption, diet is probably the most important factor in preventing cancer. And it's the most significant factor in producing cancer if you're eating the wrong things. I'm going to finish with giving you this chart. This came out in 1994. It was a re research that was reported in the Associated um, Press. The best meal plan is two meals a day with six hours, five to six hours apart, and then an 18-hour-a-day fast. So if you eat at 7 or 8 in the morning and then you eat at 1 or 2 in the afternoon and you don't eat again until the next morning, these are the benefits. Better hearing, greater energy, less overweight, less osteoporosis, less stress, less allergies, less diabetes, longer life, better eyesight, sharper intellect, sharper memory, less kidney disease, less asthma, less arthritis, less hypertension, and 93% fewer cancers. It's, a, it's the best diet to go on. If you do a lot of heavy um, activity, hard work, you probably need three meals. But for the most um, of the population, two meals a day will give you the best overall health. So let's close with the praise to the God that has the answer for the diseases that we face. Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all within me, within me, bless his holy name. He forgives all our iniquities. He forgives us for breaking the laws that have broke our body. So you ask him to forgive you and say, okay, Lord, now will you redeem my life from destruction and satisfy my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagle's. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.